Liverpool Leslie Hour, helping people tell their stories. And now, your host, Paul Leslie. Hey, it's me, and I am ever excited. Scott Ryan is joining us. He's a man of much enterprise, a book author, magazine publisher, podcast host, short story writer. I could keep on going. He's written and directed independent films. But the focus of this episode of the Paul Leslie Hour is what I'm holding in my hands right now. The Last Days of Letterman, The Final Six Weeks. It's a book chronicling the last six weeks of The Late Show with David Letterman. I was one of those people that watched every single one of those episodes, so it felt like it was a book that was made just for me. It's a great pleasure to have Scott Ryan with us. Thank you so much. Ah, uh-uh, thanks for having me. And um, I did write it for you. That was my that was my whole purpose. The other stuff was just fluff. I I wanted it you to have it. <laughs> You're so kind. What gave you the idea that this could be a book? Well, it it's weird because. There were like two different ideas. Um, the first idea, it wasn't completely formed, but it was when I was actually watching them when they aired in 2015. I was blown away by these episodes. And that was mostly from a fan perspective and less from a writer perspective. I just kept thinking, these are the best they've ever done. Like, these are amazing. But then I was so sad that Dave left. You know, I didn't really think about, I should write a book about this at the time. And then it was a year later, I'd finished my previous book, which was about the TV show 30-something. And everyone kept asking me, what are you going to do next? Which really, as a writer, you want to punch someone in the face when you just finish something. And then the first thing they say is, what are you going to do next? Because you feel like, are you kidding me? And... I, there was nothing I was passionate about except Dave, and that was, you know, like a year ago. And that's what sort of got me to the idea, you know, because I was forced to answer something. So I would say, I'd love to do a book about David Letterman. So I, it, it took a long time to come up with the idea. When I think about those last six weeks, much like yourself, I thought that they were just the best he ever did, I think you said. I always think of that time, not to be overly dramatic, but it was almost like the last six weeks of high school or something. You wanted to savor every single moment because you knew it was going to be over. Do you have a favorite moment from the last six weeks of the show? Well, it's funny we're going to get right into this. I usually like to to save this and bond before I share this. But yes, I, I have a moment where it hit me. And it was when Nora Jones sang Don't Know Why. And it was the Martin Short episode. That that episode is my favorite out of the 28. And it, it's just for me personally, it's because I love Martin Short so much. And I think he's one of the best guests. And when Dave says that Nora Jones is here to sing the song that she sang... 15 years ago, don't know why, I realized that I had heard it the first time, went out and bought the album, and now I own every Nora Jones 
record. Every time she puts a new record out, I buy it and I love Nora Jones. And so it was that moment realizing that, yeah, I'm losing Dave, but I'm losing all the other things I got from Dave. So that was sort of my, like, it really hit me right in that moment, how much he had affected the other parts of my life. You're a man of fine tastes. <laughs> like yourself, there were so many musical moments in the, the last six weeks that, well, they were just they were just incredible. Maybe you could speak about one of the other musical moments that really, really got your attention. Well, um, there's so many, but the second one that comes to mind is Tom Waits. He, he actually wrote a song for Dave and it was take one last look. And that number just, it, it's so perfect. He talks, you know, I really, really wished I could have put the lyrics to his song in the book. It's, it's the only thing I never got that I really wanted in the book because I couldn't get to Tom Waits and I just didn't want to get sued. So I, I always, I tell people in the book, like, go out on YouTube and listen to these lyrics because they're phenomenal. What about you? What were, what was a music number you love? Oh, man. Well, this one, I will, try to make it short and sweet, but I'm a huge fan of Bob Dylan. And as you know, the last, the second to the last episode, I think it was, had the performance of Bob Dylan. And this is kind of eerie because the night before on my radio show, I played Bob Dylan the night we called it a day. Did you dedicate it to Dave, or did you did you think about Dave when you played it? I was kind of thinking about Dave. It was very eerie, and the guest who was on my radio show for that broadcast, she was actually at that taping, and so she texted me and said that the little hairs on her arms were standing up. She said, you're never going to believe this. <laughs> That's that crazy. What, yeah, it's really interesting. So, so I know you said you wanted to make it short and sweet, but let's not make it short and sweet. I also am a huge Bob Dylan fan, but I feel like I'm a strange one where like my favorite album is Love and Theft and Modern Times and Together Through Life and Time Out of Mind, that stretch of Dylan albums, which I feel like get lost because everyone wants to talk about Blood on the Tracks or, you know, Blonde on Blonde. Where do you lie in that, you know, the his sort of comeback time after Time Out of Mind with Dylan? Well, I was listening to what you just said with a huge, huge smile on my face. Because I always say that. I always say, you know, well, what about what about these albums from the 90s? Gosh, they were so great. Don't. Don't think that his genius is somehow gone. Oh, I wow. love I love those albums. I Good. think they're Yeah, that's where that's where my heart is. I think the Dylan we have now is is as great as ever. No, I I agree. I mean, I've seen him live ton of times and I love how you don't know what the song is <laughs> until 2 minutes <laughs> in, which I think Tom Hanks actually uh, mentions that within the last six weeks he does i didn't put it in the book because i tried to only focus on when they talked about 
Dave retiring, but he mentions going to a Dylan concert and then coming home and reading the set list and going, oh, so he sang that song and that <laughs> song. I didn't realize that was all along the Watchtower, which I love going to see Dylan and having that experience. Yeah, me too. Definitely. So in the process of making this book, The Last Days of Letterman, was there any revelation from your many interviews that really surprised you? I think what moved me the most was how these these people that worked for Dave, you know, in some ways I kind of thought they were maybe going to be jaded to it where I really, Dave is sort of a hero to me and certainly a mentor to me as a storyteller and a comic and things like that. And I kind of thought they would have a, a wall up and they didn't. They, they talked about Dave in the same way that I would have. And I don't know if that's a revelation as much as it felt good to know that they all were protecting Dave and were loyal to him in the way that I felt like I would have been. And I kind of was when you talk to someone, they'd be like, what, Letterman? I don't watch him anymore. He's no good. And I'd be like, no, you're missing this bigger point. I mean, I was out there defending him. So I, I think that would be what I learned the most. Something that I really like about the book is that you interviewed a cross-section of people from the producers to the writers, even somebody who was in human resources. <laughs> and a lot of people would maybe not think to do that, which would be a real mistake. And I really have to applaud you for getting so many different perspectives in the book. Oh, thank you. I really appreciate that because that was my goal. And I tried to get everyone. I mean, there was nobody that I would turn down. I was close to getting the security guard and we just never, we just never got that moment because the idea of the book isn't for me to say what the last six weeks of Letterman was. It was for the people who created the last six weeks to say. So I did want the people at the top and the people on the floor and the people in the control room and the people in the writer's room. And one of the greatest compliments I've received from this book, I was just in New York doing some promotion. And one of the writers was interviewed with me, Jill Goodwin. And she said she learned stuff she didn't know because they happened on different floors. And so she's learning stuff from the book. And that, you know, I mean, as a author, you can't ask for more than that. Very, very interesting. If you had to, or got to, depending on how you looked at it, let's say got to, take a cross-country road trip with any of the people that you interviewed from this book, who would it be? <laughs> well, it's funny that you say that because I just made the joke with Jill. My publicist was really trying to get her to do more press for the book, and I was sort of feeling bad. And I was like, come on, Jill. You and me, we'll get in a car, we'll stop at a bunch of hotels, not nice ones, they're going to be really, really horrible hotels, and we'll get to know each other. But I feel like Brian Tetta and I, I think we could be best friends. I feel like we really have similar paths and viewpoints. So I, I think I'm going to pick Brian Tetta because he... He and I also shared a lot of music taste, too, which I think if you're taking a road trip, 
Like, I'm fine to go with you now because we're going to be listening to Tweedledee and Tweedledum and we're going to have a good time. But you just don't know. So I'm going to go with Brian Tetta. I wanted to talk a little bit about The Forward by Bill Sheft. Now, that is a very interesting guy. Tell us a little bit about getting to know him and about him writing the foreword for this book. Well, the interesting thing about Bill Sheff is he was the first person I contacted because he he had a blog and it had an email, so it was an easy person for me to get to to start off. I'd been prior to that I'd been trying to get Barbara Gaines through Twitter but it wasn't working. So I contacted Bill Sheff and I said, Hey, I want to do this book. You know, can I interview you? And he said, no, I'm not interested, but you can use anything that's on my blog. He said, everything I said on the blog is what I would say. So I was like, well, that's cool. At least I have that. So then you like fast forward a year and I interview like 20 other people. And I didn't have Bill Sheff, and I thought, this seems horrible, and I don't want to beg. So I contacted him again, and I just said, hey, I've actually talked to, and I listed, you know, everyone. Are you sure you don't want to be a part of this? And he responded and said, yeah, I got nothing to do in 15 minutes. Why don't you call me? And as you know, as an interviewer, I'm like, what? <laughs> I mean, I got to do this in 15 minutes. Um, <laughs> so I was a little panicked. We ended up talking on the phone for three hours. We talked wow. so long that his phone died and he had to call me back from another phone. And we just really hit it off. And he shared so much. I feel like his things in the book are really interesting. And so then when it was done, I thought he's the guy to write the foreword. And it was funny that he already told me no. And you know, I went and I'm going to ask for something else. So I asked him if he w would be willing to do the foreword. And he said, um, I don't know. Let me think about it. And which I realized might be his first response to things. And then I don't know. It was like two weeks, maybe. And he just sent me that foreword. <laughs> and it's beautiful. And when I read it, I thought, oh, and that was before I had put the book together. I had all the interviews, but I was still sort of figuring out what to use and kind of building the puzzle. And I thought, oh, my gosh, do I have a book that lives up to this forward? I mean, it, it was like a, a bit of pressure to me and because he shared so much. And even in the interview, you know, he talked about losing his wife and how Dave was there for him. And, you know, it was, it was really an emotional interview. And I think his forward is that way as well. So I'll never get over the fact that Bill Sheff wrote the forward to that book. Never. <laughs> I wanted to ask about another person who's very prominently featured in the book. She shares a lot of factual and emotional insight. Barbara Gaines. Yeah, I mean, Barbara is the heart and soul of this book. She's what also started it all. She was my first interview. I worked on getting her forever and ever. You know, I, I did it all through Twitter, which I know is not what we're supposed to use Twitter for. We're supposed to scream our political thoughts into the great void on Twitter. But I use it to, <laughs> to hound people <laughs> to let me interview them. And 
she was reluctant at first, but I think once she saw what my motives were, she really would share things. And, you know, when I do interviews, I never talk about the drama that happens at the end episode because I feel like it's nice that the book has an ending. But, you know, you've read it so you know that there's a lot of drama to get that final episode out there. And a lot of it had to do with Barbara. And she was very open about sharing things. And um, and so you really do get a taste of what it was like to be Dave's producer for 35 years. Is there any maybe missed call, if you will, that you would share with us? Maybe somebody that you really, really wanted to get to interview for the book, but it just didn't happen. Definitely. Jude Brennan was someone that I really, really wanted. And the nice thing about it is Jude at least knows about the book and said no. And it was kind of fun because when I would talk to other people, I always asked them, you know, who on this list is missing? And then they would always say, well, Jude Brennan. And then I'd say, do you think she'll talk to me? And they'd say no. <laughs> and that's pretty much what Barbara said. Barbara said, no, Jude doesn't talk and she's not going to. I think she would have added something to the book. And so to me, that's the biggest, biggest miss. But the good thing is she at least knew about it. You know, my fear in doing a book like this is you get someone like Todd the cue card boy. You know, I love Todd. I wanted to get to him. I just never did get to him. And I would hate for it now for him to be like, man, you left me out of the book. But like, I don't have everyone's email. I mean, I've tried through LinkedIn and Twitter and Facebook. And, you know, I, I do the best I can, but you can't get to everyone. What have you learned about yourself as a result of writing this book? That I really need to pick a career where I can make some money. <laughs> well, I feel like that's a hard question for me. You know, most people who I told about this book thought that it was a bad idea to just focus on the last six weeks. They said, you know, who cares about that? Why aren't you doing all of Dave? And I thought that was a bad idea because you can't cover 33 years in a book. And I, I don't know. This was sort of my idea. And I feel like what I learned is you have to do what you think is best. Otherwise, you're not going to make a good product. And it's not about being successful or not, because maybe people would have rathered a, a tell-all book about Dave or something, and then, it, you know, it, it'd be a bestseller. But I would rather tell what I want to tell. I don't know. Was that a good answer? I don't know if I ever said anything there. This might have just been words strung together. No. <laughs> I think that was a good answer, a, a very good answer, because, well, just on a personal note, you know, there's going to be a lot of books written in years to come about the life of David Letterman, about the history of Late Night and The Late Show. But within a couple of years of this very historical in the world of television moments, these very historical moments, you got all of these people to share their stories and their feelings while it was still somewhat fresh. So this will be something that years from now will be a great resource. I mean, that's how I look at it. And I, I hope that you're, you're right. I mean, it's, it's too hard for me to tell at this point. I will say that, you know, 
the feedback has been really positive from fans of the show, and that is what matters to me most, that I'm not gonna... I didn't want to anger anyone, and I don't think I have, so... And that's hard to do in 2018, (laughs) is not piss (laughs) off someone. Very Um, true. Was there any feedback that you got from one of the readers of this book that touched you or flattered you the most, or you just thought, well, that's the best review I've gotten so far? I I mean, there's a guy, his name is Don Giller. Do you know, have you heard of him? He's like the YouTube letterman person. Oh, yeah. Everybody knows the Dons. Yeah. So <laughs> he told me this is the book he wished he would have written. So that to me is is a really big compliment. I, I was glad because I didn't want to upset him in any way because I love what he's done for Dave and he was helpful to get me some of the episodes I was missing. So I think that meant a lot to me. Um, I met a lady at a book signing who just those musical moments meant the world to her. And knowing that the book covers that made me really happy because I just knew she's going to love what Cheryl Zellickson, who was the music booker, shares about picking Tracy Chapman or um, John Mayer and things like that. So I don't know. I think it's been all good so far. There hasn't been one person that has been like, you suck, Ryan. (laughs) (laughs) But it'll happen. It's the Internet. (laughs) If you could ask any question of David Letterman, what would the question be? You know, it's a hard question to ask, but because I don't mean it in the um, in our political climate that we have now. But what really amazed me is how much he had women in places of power at the late show i mean besides the writer's room it was so very female based and i would have i i think the book would have benefited at having dave comment on that because it really was his company and i tried to get barbara gaines to discuss that and the legacy and loyalty that people would work there for so long and, and how they did that. Cause I'm, I'm always interested in, in the corporate side of things. So I know that's not a very like, um, you know, celebrity type question, but I, I would like to know his answer to that. That is actually a great question. I think Thank that's you. some, yeah, that's something that is actually noticeable again and again is his his continuous he's always had i think a lot more than most than most television personalities yeah and it kind of goes unadvertised you know i feel like people are even when i was with jill when we did this um interview that's going to be on in new york sometime in february i think but you know they asked her like well you were the only female writer in the comedy room and I thought, it's funny how people point that out, but they don't point out that Jude and uh, Barbara pretty much ran the company <laughs> for virtually 30 years. Yes, Rob Burnett was there, but he really hasn't done 
you know, and he came in actually as an intern and moved up anyway. So, I mean, it was Barbara and Jude. That's crazy. Yeah. It did not get any press, you know, and I, and I think they did a phenomenal job at it. So I don't know. And then, I mean, come on, I'd like to know if he's seen the book and knows about the book. I'd have to ask that. I mean, I'm just human. <laughs> <laughs> of course. When somebody is a Letterman fan, what do you think that says about them? Or what do you think the commonality is among people who are fans of Letterman? Well, first of all, I'm almost certain I would have lunch with that person. That's the first thing. Like, I feel comfortable that I could sit down and talk to that person and we're going to laugh and have a good time. Where there have been late night hosts that I... When someone says they really like them, then I judge them immediately. <laughs> but I think that there is, there's something a, that says you're on the outside a little bit, that you're, you see things from a different angle, which is what I really think Dave did more than anything else. And, you know, there's, there's pejorative words you could throw around like nerd or, you know, whatever, but that, that's not, what I really mean. It just means you're probably not coming into a situation and going to believe whatever press is coming out about that situation. You want to look to the side. You want to find out for yourself. To me, that that's what Letterman was all about. And I think if, if you were a Letterman fan, that's how you're looking at things. You, you're, you're looking at it sideways. Very interesting. You said from outside and that's, as you were answering, I, I thought for just a second, I thought, how would I answer that? <laughs> outsiders, definitely. Yeah, I mean, but and it's weird because sometimes outsiders, you know, you become, it becomes something else. But to me, it's almost like an intelligent outside. It's about coming, you know, when you think about how when he had politicians on or people of public figures beyond some movie star or something that doesn't matter. You know, he wasn't coming at them in the normal way. And he really was getting them to talk and, and sort of knocking them off their talking points. In fact, in the book, Mike Bazinski, I asked him like, well, when you have Obama on, like, do they give you the questions that they want to talk about? And he was like, oh, no, like everyone knew you can't tell Dave what to talk about or not to talk about. Because if I went to Dave and said, don't talk about this, you can guarantee that's his first question. <laughs> and he's like, I could never agree to any question being off the table because you knew Dave was going to ask it. Then. At the end of all of my interviews, I always like to just give the guests the stage. Just you can take the microphone and go. Anywhere you want, not just limited to this book. What would you say to anyone who's listening in? Well, in the end of my book, I, all three of my books, I've done a little plea for kindness. And I, I'm, I'm really big on being kind to other people and not expecting it to come back. You know, in my magazine, which is about Twin Peaks or my 30 something book or my Letterman book, They've all happened because other people have been kind enough to give me their time. 
And then I try to make that experience positive for them and then put out something that has the taste of kindness. So, you know, having this moment, it's like, don't, so so what if the person in front of you at Starbucks cuts and you wait one more turn? What do you got to yell at them for? Like, let's just be kind and don't worry about what comes back. And eventually it would work itself through. So that's sort of my religion, if you will. Well, that's terrific. When David Letterman was asked, what is the most important trait in a talk show host? He said kindness. Hmm. And I think it's true. Ladies and gentlemen, the book is called The Last Days of Letterman, The Final Six Weeks by our special guest, Scott Ryan. You can visit scottryanproductions.com. Thank you so much for spending time with us. Oh, thank you. It was great. And and I'm so happy that you enjoyed the book. That makes me happy. I loved the book. Thank you. (laughs) All right. Until next time. All right, I'll let you know. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for listening to the Paul Leslie Hour. If you enjoy these interviews, please consider rating, reviewing, and subscribing to the podcast. You can help us by listening on the free Radio Public app. The show can also be found on iTunes, Stitcher, Player FM, or Overcast. For more information, visit thepaulleslie.com or follow on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, all at The Paul Leslie. The Paul Leslie Hour theme song is performed and composed by Jeff Pike. Outro music is performed and composed by John Goodwin. See you next time on The Paul Leslie Hour.